0: Amen. If you have a Bible, meet me in James chapter 3 while you're turning there. uh, Last week was probably what I would consider a more prophetic sermon, and not in the sense that I was telling the future, but in the sense that there is truth that is told in the Bible, and it sometimes just leaps at you and arrests you where you're at. And it's the law of God. It's the perfect law of liberty. And it reveals us, it exposes us. But in that exposure, we're introduced to the God who came and lived what we could not. And so, last week was was that, and this week is going to be kind of both, right? There, there is an aspect of this text in James chapter 3 that you don't stand a chance to live out. <laughs> so, get excited, <laughs> Right? Like, this is hard, right? Like, I was listening to one guy who was talking about this text this week, and he said, you know what, just go ahead and pick your toes up off the floor, because they're going to get stepped on, right? Because all of us are going to have problems with what we talk about today. However, because of the truths that we know and have experienced in Christ, and the fact that he has given us, sent us, that we live with the Holy Spirit within us. The Spirit, the presence of God living through you. These things are possible, but in a supernatural way. That you you need the Holy Spirit to live these things out because what it's going to do is it's going to stop us where we're at and challenge us. But in that, there is beauty. If you were to go back to where we started this series, it's really important that every week we remember the thesis of where James is taking us. In James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, he tells us the point of all of the book, right? When he says, every good gift comes from above. It comes from the Father, The father of lights in whom there is no shakiness, right? He he does not shift in the ways that we shift. He is an altogether different king, leader, father than what we experience here or even are. In our leadership, we see and long for a better king. And so we're reminded of that in James, because James gets that, that rap of being the guy who doesn't actually believe in the grace of God only. But in fact, he says right here, he says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And so these things that follow, the things that we'll talk about today, are gifts from the Father. They're Ways that he moves into us and lives through us. And then verse 18, I love this verse, of his own will. Nothing you do, nothing I do, nothing we do can make us right with God. It was of his own will, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so James is not confused about the grace of God. But what happens when God's grace goes into our lives? What is the evidence of that? What, what is possible if the Holy Spirit lives through us? What, what does it look like to be transformed by God? It it means we first understand how much we need Jesus, right? Sanctification begins in that place where I become more and more aware every day of how much I need Jesus. It's not just the center of our faith is not what we can do better. It's what he has already done. And that transforms the way we think about the things that James is about to say. Because if you go earlier in the James chapter 1 verse 26... He actually foreshadows what chapter 3 is going to talk about. Look at this. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious, and just by showing up here today, we're declaring that we are religious. I know the catchphrase, it's relationship, not religion. And that's true. But we are religious people. We are. We all worship. We all worship. Many people in this country will worship on Tuesday. They will. And many will have their dreams and hopes shattered on Tuesday. And we sit back and say, no, 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 we we have something altogether different. But look at this. Look at the impossibility of this. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. And this person's religion is worthless. The power of your words matter. But make no mistake about it. That is a word of God's law that is meant to be a hammer on your soul. Because what is the reality? Have you and I tamed our tongue? Come on, talk to me. Have we tamed our tongue? No. We haven't. Right? And even if you were able to tame the tongue that we hear... What happens in your mind and your heart are still the words of your heart. I love what the psalmist says, right? He says, let the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, right? Because it's not just what we can get on the outside. It's what goes on on the inside. And so uh, that is the problem, isn't it? James 1.26 presents us with the problem of our tongue. Right. And if you're taking notes, I would just write that down because it's really important as we go through these next things. And I'm going to suggest and I'm going to show you in James words here some things that we can do, but we will not do them without a full recognition of the problem. And the problem is that any of these things that I do on my own, they're not going to come to fruition. They're not. So we have to understand that. And couple that with what James says in 1, 17 and 18. That the hope for me to do these things is only found in Christ. And in the Holy Spirit living in you. And with that said, what does it look like when grace begins to manifest itself in your life? What does is, what is a Christian life look like when it comes to our tongue? When it comes to how we speak? When it comes to how we post? When it comes to how we respond? All the things... This isn't going to be on the screen, but I want you to listen to James chapter 3, verse 2, and then we'll kind of dive into the meat of what we're talking about. He continues what he says in James one twenty-six. He says this, for we all stumble in many ways. It's a confession. It's a confession that we are not who we hope to be, that we need something. But look at this, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If you control what you say, you have control of everything else in your body. But what is the confession of this text? That the only one who can do that is the one who is perfect. Who is the one who is perfect? Jesus. And he came and lived that for you so you can be made right with God. So the surrendering of that to the Lord is where that begins. Because if you're taking notes, number one is this. My words will determine my direction in life. Think about that. The things that you get up and say to yourself, the things that you get up and say to your family, I'm preaching up myself now, come on. And the things that we say to others determine the direction of our life. Why do I say that? Look at James chapter 3 and verse 3. Here's what he says. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. What's he saying? That little thing, that little piece of metal that we slide between a horse's mouth, we can control that entire thousand pound animal or whatever they are. This massive animal is controlled by just a little thing in his mouth that we give a little tug. He goes on, he says, look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot desires. The tongue According to the Bible is the rudder of your life. It is it is the bit of your life. The words that we say will determine our direction. I think about this often because we're told in scripture that the truth will set us free and it, the truth of the word of God and the things in his word. And I remember. I remember. Like really the first time that I ever started to fall in love with the Bible being taught. I was a young kid and we used to do this thing called Sunday school. And Some of you are going to know what I'm talking about. Back in the day and we would go to church early and there would be classes ahead of time. And, you know, my parents would go to some and I would go to one. And I kind of liked uh, Sunday school better than big church is what I called it. This version of church uh, because I had this teacher named Mr. Clymer. Mr. Clymer, when I was uh like four or five I think. And so some of you may have kids back there like that age. I was real young and I just remember he would do what he called object lessons and he would set a table up here and he would walk up to the front of our class and uh, he would set the bag on here and I just remember all of us just such anticipation. I mean, he just would keep us waiting for what was in the bag. And we all knew it was going to be something stupid like a spoon or but we just we couldn't wait to see what was in the bag. And then he would pull it out and we would laugh and we'd have a good time. But then he would draw us as kids into the word of God. And I will never forget that those were the beginning places of where my heart was beginning to be shaped by God's word and in a fashion that I understood and We know and experience the transforming power of the word of God. And side note, maybe some of you are Mr. Climbers in waiting. Maybe some of you need to sign up for Redeemer Kids and get back there and begin to shape the words that come out of your mouth. And I just will always remember that. Because one of the lessons I learned, and I I don't even know why I remember this, but I do, is in Proverbs 20, verse 20. Throw that up on the screen for me. It says this. If someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Right? Though our words determine the direction of our life, even from a young age. So we we see that. I think one of the great examples of that in Scripture that we see from the Old Testament is in the book of Numbers, where Caleb and Joshua uh, are checking out the promised land, right? So Israel gets out of Egypt and God delivers them and then they wander around in the wilderness and chase after idols. Sound, sound familiar? It should be a picture of our life, right? And we just wander around and we, we look everywhere but up to find what we need. And so finally, they're standing at the promised land and God is saying, I've given you this land and so they send spies in and there were 12 of them that go in and here's the report that comes back in numbers 13 it says this then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said let us go up at once and take possession and I love this phrase for we are well able to overcome it why because God said it was theirs And so Caleb is aligning himself with what God said, not what he felt. He was seeing through what God declared, not what he felt. And yet, they didn't go in and take the land, because our words determine our direction. Look at what happens when he stops. But the men who had gone up with him, the other ten guys, listen to this, said We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And can I just tell you that that is the gospel in the Old Testament. That is a picture of the gospel. They were not wrong. They were not wrong. If they were going to walk into the promised land on their own power, they were going to get destroyed. If you and I are going to walk into the presence of God when we stand before him at the end of our life, we will be destroyed. And that's not me trying to scare you, I'm just telling you the truth. Because the beauty and glory of the gospel is not that you can do enough to present yourself to God, holy and righteous in His sight, but the fact is that you are not able to go into the promised land. But Jesus is. And Caleb was seeing through the lens of of what God was able to do, not what we are able to do. So when we say that our words determine our direction, I'm not suggesting that you get up tomorrow and be like, I'm going to do everything right today. That's not going to go well. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is that you get up tomorrow and you start here and say, God, apart from you, I will not do things right today. And just begin in that place of confession And determine, because why? Because when we shape our words, our words shape us, right? When we get up and we declare something about what we're doing, it shapes the way we do it. Our words have power. They are the bit, the bridle of what we do. And the reality is found in that because number two, if you're taking notes, is that our words can destroy what we have. Our words can destroy what we have. Look at what verse 5 says. So also the tongue is a small member, considering all the body, it's pretty small. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. We know what this is talking about. We've been watching it on our west coast, haven't we? In California in Oregon as the winds blow and a little spark... I read this week a little spark set a little fire, which set a forest ablaze, which began to set a state ablaze, which took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres and homes. And we understand that how one little thing can explode into a great thing. And that's what James wants us to understand the tongue, verse 6, is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. How many of you know that the comment section of just about every social media post is a world, is a fire? <laughs> we are living this, aren't we? We, we understand what this is. James goes even a little bit farther. He says the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And here it is and set on fire by hell. True or false. You can't really have a worse fire in God's economy than the fire set by hell. James wants all of us to understand that our words can destroy things and often do. And we need that bit of law. We need the law of God held up in front of us once in a while to remind us that left to ourselves, we can do a whole lot of damage. We can do a whole lot of damage. Don't you love the way Proverbs just kind of puts everything together? Look at Proverbs ten nineteen. Too much talk <laughs> leads to sin. Don't you love this? Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. God said it, not me. Right? He- Maybe this is for you. Maybe this is for me. Maybe this is for all of us. Maybe this is for everybody in the world. Too much talk leads to sin. True or false? Online, true or false? (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're sitting on your couch. If you're watching in the car. If you're sitting here. Too much talking leads to sin. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut maybe maybe your next step today from this sermon is to just memorize proverbs 10:19 too much talk okay i'm going to get off that soapbox but let me say i got one more thing to say sorry you don't need to comment on everything i think if if we were honest with each other i'm just pastoring you for a moment that's my job I think oftentimes we forget to be quick to listen, slow to speak, right? We don't have to comment on everything. Our culture begs us to comment, 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 comment. Have an answer. Have an answer. Comment, comment, comment. When scripture is very clear, be ready always to give an answer of the hope that lies within you. What is the hope that lies within you? All your opinions? Or the truth of who God is and who he came to this earth and was and is and is yet to be. We have an altogether different hope. So much of the Christian witness gets destroyed because we don't turn our vision up. We turn it in and we run into problems when we turn in to give ourselves hope and we don't look up to find our hope. We judge and we gossip and we do all the stuff. And I just want to call all of us to recognize that 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 is who we are and who we've been. And yet, the beauty of God's grace is that His mercies are new every morning. And then the Bible says this great is His faithfulness, not yours not mine, you are probably going to get a lot of this wrong on Tuesday. (laughs) But I want you to know you don't have to. You don't have to. You can turn your gaze heavenward. Let me say it to you this way. Write this down. This will help you this week. This will help you this week. Pass the negatives up and the praises down. If you're concerned about something, take it to the one who can actually do something about it. And then vote, do all the stuff. But that Facebook post, probably not going to change anybody's life. I've never met that guy who came up to me and was like, dude, that comment you left on Twitter, it changed my mind. I'm not just talking about politics either, right? Like, pastors have this problem where we think we just have something eloquent to say, and it's like, Nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) Spend your time here. Okay? Pass the negatives out the phrases down. Because, number three, here's the reality. My words always reveal my heart. My words always reveal my heart. James chapter 3, verse 9, says this, With it, Very important, isn't it? Just to recognize that we are fickled people. My words reveal my heart. Because here is the reality, and here is what we're really getting to, and here's what James is really getting to, is the next thing I want you to write down under number three is this. The real problem isn't my tongue, it's my heart. See, so you don't have a tongue problem, you have a heart problem. I don't have a tongue problem, I have a heart problem. The Bible is very, very clear that out of our heart flow all the issues of life. That's what Proverbs tells us. All the issues of life. I don't have a tongue problem, I have a heart problem. And this is the gospel, right? That apart from Christ, Jesus says in John 15, apart from Christ, I can do nothing. So whatever it is that you're struggling with right now, it's probably not a tongue problem. It's probably not you fill in the blank problem. It's a heart problem. The Bible tells us that our heart is deceitfully or desperately wicked. Who can know it? Man, like if we're just honest, we we get that. I've been a Christian for a very long time. Very long time. And you know what I struggled with this week, this past week? My tongue. There's two little ones right here that could tell you that. Because it's just true. It's just reality. They don't want to be incriminated. They're hiding. <laughs> but listen, th- th- this is this is the reality. We have... A heart problem. And only in Christ can we fix that. So what do we do? What do we do, right? Because James clearly paints the problem. Clearly paints the problem. So what do we do? I want to give you three things that we can do in Christ, in the power of Christ. Three things that Christ can live through you. And then at the end of that, I want to give you um, some specific things about your words that I that I would suggest that you pray through this week. And just walk with hand in hand with the Lord Jesus. But here it is. What can we do? Number one, allow God to change my heart. Because we can't do that on our own. We have to go elsewhere than our willpower to change our heart. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10. It says, This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. It's one way love. God initiates and God carries it out and God sees it to completion, right? Isn't that what the New Testament says? That it is God who works in you both for his will and his good pleasure. He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. This is the movement of God, not me. Romans twelve two, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. That is what you should pray Tuesday morning when you get up. What is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God? And you can vote according to your conscience and sleep easy that night no matter what the result is. Because we're a different people. Here's a prayer for you to pray every day. Write this down. Psalm 19:14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What do you need this week? You need a redeemer and you need a rock. Because they won't be found in this world. So if God moves in and begins to change my heart and I begin to recognize more and more every day and every time Mitch preaches at me, my need for Jesus. If I'm recognizing that, what's an action step for that, right? Number two, put a filter on what you allow in your heart. You need a gospel filter... A Bible filter on everything that enters your heart. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Oh, sorry. uh, Matthew 12, verse 34 and 35 says this. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good things stored up for him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up for him. Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your Heart, put a filter on your heart for everything you do flows from it. Why do we talk so much about vision up? Why do we talk so much about loving God? We love God because He first loved us. And you need that filter on your heart because everything that comes in is going to affect your heart and your tongue is going to reveal what's in your heart. And ten times out of ten, if we're doing that on our own flesh, on our own power, on our own strength, on our own ideas, it's going to reveal evil. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And here's where I want to land with you on number three this week. What is that? What what does this mean on an election week? What does this mean in your life right now? I think this is the decision we can make today and we will fail at it. But this is the decision we can make. Decide to speak words of life. What are the what what is the way that we can change the world? We speak words of life. We give an answer to the hope that lives within us. And it is not us. And it is not a political party. And it is not a new job. It is not your kids. It is not your spouse. It's not anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to it. Five kinds of words you can speak this week that will bring life. Five kinds of words. Number one, words of affection. When we recognize how much we're messed up and how, fall, how far we fall short of the glory of God, we can just begin to speak what he speaks. Words of affection. Matthew three sixteen and 17. At that moment, don't you love this? Twice we see God the Father speaking about His Son. Just twice. And it's the same both times. Listen to it. At that moment, heaven was open and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting a light, a on Him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. How does a good father... Speak to his kids with words of affection. And isn't it amazing that you don't have to do that on your own because God's speaking that over you. Don't you love? I don't have it on the screens, but in the Old Testament where it talks about God singing over you, singing over his children. What an amazing thought. The second one, words of praise, Proverbs twenty-five, eleven. a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Words of praise are both fitting and useful, and they are also precious and expensive. What are the things that are going to actually make a difference in your life this week, in those around you this week, speaking words of life? words of praise. Number 3, words of encouragement. Ephesians 4:29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Can I encourage you today? If you have read the end of the book, you know who wins. No matter what happens in your world, no matter how difficult it gets, in the end, Jesus wins. You can be encouraged right now, no matter what's happening in your life, because you have a God who is in control of the outcome. Speak what is helpful for building others up. The next one, words of healing. Proverbs fifteen four: The tongue that brings healing... Is a tree of life. Speak words that heal. Not words that divide. Speak words that heal. And then perhaps the most important. And I'll end with this. Kevin's going to come up. Words of faith. Words of faith. You see because we started in this place. Saying that this was not something you and I can accomplish on our own. All of those things are true. All of those things come directly from the Scripture. And all of those things are things that we are being called to. But we're not going to do those on our own. Romans 4.17 talks about Abraham. It says, Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. And then listen to this. Where's our hope in all this come from? Listen to this. The God who gives life to the dead... And calls things that are not as though they are. You may feel a million miles from living what I just talked about. So do I. So do I. But it begins in this place of faith. It begins in this place of faith looking to Jesus. The Bible tells us who is both the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so I don't know where you are today, but I just want to encourage you as the music plays to just take a minute. Maybe you need to close your eyes. Maybe you need to kneel. Maybe you need to spend a minute and turn your vision up to the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. No matter where you're at, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, you're not a Christian, you're exploring, I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're just frustrated, maybe you feel far from God. I just want you to know that what you cannot see, there's a God who can see. What you cannot feel, there's a Holy Spirit that can bring life. Ezekiel, in a prophetic moment, looked out across a valley and all he saw was dry, dead bones. And I love the picture that Scripture begins to paint there, that the bones begin to rattle. And they begin to stand and they are given life, the breath of God. Listen, let's not get confused today. The Bible says that we were made from the dust of the earth and to the dust of the earth we will return. We are very temporary beings on this earth, in this life. But our hope lies outside of that. We put our faith in one who transcends that. The God who gives life to the dead. That's the one that we put our hope in. And so if we have any hope to do any of these things that James is calling us to do, we go back to where James started with us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And we start there. And we put our faith there. We accept that God is the Redeemer and the rock of our life. And so if you'll just bow your heads with me and close your eyes and just take a moment of silence as you listen to the music. I just want to leave that with you. I I want you to... Take that moment of silence and speak to the Lord and do business with the Lord and put your faith in him today. Be reminded of the goodness of God for just a minute. Father, we gather in your name, recognizing that we are sinners, we have all fallen short of your glory, and we confess our sin to you. But as a servant of your word, as a pastor, what a great privilege it is to remind your people that their sins are forgiven. That no matter what we've done, no matter how bad we think it is, your word tells us that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so our sins collectively as your people today are forgiven. And we praise you for that. We praise you for your mercy and your grace. And we thank you for that. And We praise you.